This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. What's up? What's happening? Welcome in. It's the Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. That is Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman. I am coming to you from the same chair that I always sit in. Logan coming to us from a hotel somewhere in California. Not to be confused, Logan, with Hotel California. (laughs) That's a very popular song from a long time ago. Great song. That's one of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah, so I'm out in California, Los Gatos, doing some combine stuff. And it's early out here, Craig. It's very, very early out here. So I'm a little bit, got a little sleep in my eyes still. You're probably bright-eyed and bushy-tailed at this point. Yeah, we got a long day ahead. Uh, our couch that was supposed to be delivered last Thursday is finally getting delivered today. Uh, so go. we got we to gotta move another couch out. We got to move some stuff around. But excited to finally have our home come together. Um, the weather the weather here in D.C., not kind to deliveries last week. Anyway, nobody cares about that. Here's what they care <laughs> about. We got football stuff to talk about. Uh, the commander's head coaching search is ongoing. We will touch on that kind of through the lens of the playoff games like we did last week on the show. And then we will, uh, towards the end of the show, get into what Logan is doing out in California. You mentioned some combine stuff, kind of what the process looks like for prospects at this point, what you're doing, helping some of these prospects, and then some other thoughts as you started to watch some film of some of the players that the commanders might be looking at, at too. So we'll get into all of that as we go, uh, Logan, but let's just, let's just go in order of the playoff games uh, on the divisional round. And we can talk about, obviously, some of the coaches and kind of this, you know, the the tangent topics off of that as it relates to the commanders, starting with the Ravens' big win over the Texans, 34-10. to 10. Um, In commander's terminology, if you will, it's Bobby Slowick versus Mike McDonald. That's what a lot of people uh-huh. care about. But I, I'm curious, you know, how you would kind of respond to this idea that because McDonald has now beaten Slowick twice – uh, this season, or their teams have that. It's like, oh well, why would you ever consider Bobby Slowick? Like, clearly, Mike McDonald's better. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk about the differences and like what what I guess what role playoff performances by a coordinator 
play in their resume as a future head coach? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think it's something that people maybe don't fully understand. Like, obviously, it's an important data point, and it's something that is relevant to your coaching search because you want guys that win football games. But ultimately, like, I think people really, fans and people that aren't familiar with the process, really undervalue the interview process. Yes. It, it, like, the resume is important, obviously, and, and you winning football games is important. But what do you like in the room? You know, like when Kyle and Sean were both interviewing for jobs, there was this, like, prevailing thought that, that Sean was going to be more impressive in the interview because he interviewed better. And like there was opportunities for Sean that weren't there for Kyle because Kyle, you know, like has changed in this regard, but was a little bit standoffish, a little bit abrasive at that point in his career. And, you know, obviously has grown out of that and become this, this guy that is a brilliant head coach. Um, but I think there's so much to be said for how you deal with the people in that room that are on that team of, of the selection committee, right? How you talk to Josh Harris, how you talk to um, Adam Gates, all, all these different guys, right? Like how, what does that look like? What is your vision? How do you present that? Cause really like everyone gives Ron a hard time for saying that he's been managing for the last three years, but the head coach is a leader, a manager, unless you're calling plays, obviously that's a little bit different, but it's really about your relationship with those people and how you present yourself in those meetings. So while that is an important data point, like it doesn't really matter. Like you, once you get in that room, that's the thing that's going to really decide. Like think about Sean's record, but what, like when he went out to LA, like the, the year prior when they were coached, it wasn't great. It wasn't like, Oh my gosh, here's this guy that's been super successful, super dynamic. It's like you were hiring a guy who was a charismatic leader who had a vision for an offense, who had a vision for a team and he had a good uh, inter, inter, interpersonal relationships that were very high, or that skill was very high for him. So I look at that, and I think like that's what that's why you're doing these interviews, right? Is to get that stuff. It's not the football stuff. These guys are all smart football coaches. Like the, all the guys we've talked about on this show, all the guys they've interviewed are very, very smart football minds. It's about the interpersonal relationships and your vision for the team that can only be kind of seen when you're in that interview process. No, I'm so glad you said that. I talked about this on the radio show on Monday, and I used Sean exactly as an example. His last game in 2016, to take it to like the head-to-head Slug versus McDonald thing, right? Yeah. His last game as offensive coordinator of the Commanders in 2016 was against Steve Spagnola and the Giants, uh, Spags being the defensive coordinator, right? Like, Spags is an incredible defensive coordinator. Uh, he's gone on, obviously, since 2019 and won a couple Super Bowls in Kansas City. He was a part of the Giants Super Bowl winning teams uh, back in the late, you know, the late aughts, early 2010s. Like, he is fantastic at that job. But if you come out of that absolute flop of a game at the end of 2016 where the commanders have a chance to get into the playoffs and they come up short and their offense looks terrible, it's one of the worst games Kirk ever played uh, in Washington. Like if you just judge it off of that head-to-head -head matchup, you'd be like, "Oh, why doesn't Spags have the job? Right. Why? Why doesn't like that's just not how this works. It's about a different skill set." Now, I do think that a clear vision for football is really important as a head coach, um, and, and that is essential to kind of partnering with Peters and building the team. Right. Right. Like if you can't communicate your vision of what you want your team to be, you're not going to hire a good staff because you're going to hire a bunch of maybe talented people, but that don't fit together. Like kind of what happened to Frank Reich last year in Carolina. You had all these very good coaches, all of whom are going to go get maybe even in some cases better jobs somewhere else, but didn't work well together because they didn't see the games in similar ways. Uh, if you don't have that and you can't lead that way, that's that's going to be a problem. But it's not necessarily about how good you are as a coordinator with 
another person over you as head coach. You know, the, the last point I'll make on this to touch on like what Ron said about the managing versus coaching thing is like the Ron may have correctly identified his split between managing and coaching, but like that belies the fact the way he presented it is like, Hey man, like that is the job is to manage. You didn't do a very good right. job of it. And, right. and obviously that is seen in the results. So I say that just to point that out, not necessarily to pile on, right. but managing is the job often of a coach. The higher up you are on the ladder, the more managing you're going to have to do. And so Mike McDonald crushing Bobby Slowick for a second time this year with his very, 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 very good Ravens defense doesn't necessarily mean that like, oh, he's got a vault to the top of the head coaching list. That said, what he's doing is insanely impressive. Yeah, what he's doing is insanely impressive. Again, like that's a very, very talented group, top to bottom. Like defensive backs are playing really well, linebackers are playing well, defensive line is playing out of this world. Just the depth they have there and the rotational ability, like the fact they're able to get so much out of a Kyle Van Oy, a guy that was on the couch, you know, for the first half of the season, comes out and looks awesome. You know, Jadavian Clowney having the most productive year of his career. And again, like the talent's important, but, you know, seeing what he's doing, McDonald's doing from a blitz standpoint, and it really, to me, just shows you how important, like all these games, you know, like we're going to talk in generalities because there's not enough time to talk specifically about each single one. But when you can find ways to generate pressure with scheme in the NFL, you're winning, you're winning football games. And I think that's what Baltimore does such a good job of. It's like, yes, you have four guys, probably six or seven guys there that can win one one pass rush, but I'm not going to ask you every single down to do that because I know that's really hard. I know that's like an unrealistic expectation. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to find ways to kind of create overloads, have fire zones, mess with protection rules, create free runners that will later on free you up in those obvious four-man situations. And I think like when you look at the Baltimore game, that's the thing that separates the the the, the defensive performances because I do think that D'Amico Ryan's called a pretty good game. I'm like, man, I like this call here. I like this pressure. I like this coverage. But the Baltimore offensive line, they just seemed a little bit more prepared in terms of how they were going to handle some of those looks. And then the other thing that just is so glaring in this game and all the games in the playoffs is that quarterback needs to be a playmaking entity for you. Like it just, it, it has to happen. And I think about, we're going to talk about the quarterbacks here in a little bit for the draft. And I don't. I hate to be a guy of the moment, but every year in the playoffs, there's a reason like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson are guys that you're just like you're sweating bullets when you have to play because like there's a simple play where Tamiko does a great job bringing nickel pressure. There's two free runners to the quarterback. Lamar kind of feathers back, buys a little bit of time, uses that athleticism, completes the ball for a first down. You're like that is backbreaking for a defense because that's the right call, that's the right execution, and the quarterback just says, you know what, I'm better than you on this play and so good luck and then and i think that's the difference obviously is is a, a talented roster with a good dynamic quarterback and a, and a defensive play caller that understood how to break protections and create pressure with an experienced defensive group to me is kind of the the thing that defines that game yeah for sure and i think on the other side of it right like obviously stroud's a playmaker as well and there's some moments in yes. that game where he extends drives and that's great but generally speaking the offense of the texans felt the pressure like mm -hmm. mcdonald and anthony weaver and that staff dialed up tighten the screws so much on houston that not only did they score three points but all the penalties like the offsides like they were jumpy the entire right. game and to have an offense that by the way put up what 45 on the Browns the week before to have them be that out of sorts, that out of whack, that unconfident that they're jumping off sides, you know, it, once a series. Yeah. 
um, that they've got all these penalties. They just can't execute the basics because because they're so tight. Um, is is really impressive. Um, and and again, like I feel like sometimes we you know we feel like we're just downplaying McDonald because of how no, talented yeah. they are and and you know kind of making the point that they're they're different jobs. But I, I just can't speak you know highly enough of kind of what they're doing. And like you said, like is there talent? Yes, but some of that talent is you know guys that's primed with five years ago, and he, right. he's fi- found the fountain of youth for them and found ways to set them up for success. Yeah, and I don't want to make it sound like he's not like again. Like I was, this is a game where I was really impressed with their blitz vision, you know, and how they yeah. executed their coverages. Like they just did such a good job of like in key moment. And it's not only the blitz because everyone runs, not everyone runs them, but a lot of teams run these blitzes, right? The blitzes where you're bringing four to a side and you're dropping a guy out. To me, I just see the timing of it is so high yeah. level, right? And it's just They're like, such oh, good teachers in Baltimore. Yes, yes. And like the timing of it, the execution, like how the, how the defensive end hooks the tackles inside arms so there's no way they can bump through, how wait the de- how long the defensive tackles wait when they're the guys dropping out in the zones, and how quickly they get to spots and how they know how to match. Because so many times, man, people use defensive linemen to drop, and you're relying on the defensive line coach to coach those drops, and you just get two guys who are dropping to nothing right they're 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 not good at matching concepts and you see these guys you see pierce their nose guard who's 375 matching number three with his eyes running that direction like i know what to do in these situations so i don't want to detract from him in any way like they're a very talented team but you see it in the details man you see in the timing you see in the understanding you Again, to get to to get your nose guard to say I have to match number three in this look and to create a cloudy throwing window is big time stuff. In addition to having all these unique dynamic playmakers in the back end, you know Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen. I look at Ham uh, Hamilton, right? Kyle Hamilton, yeah, Kyle and like Hamilton, what, yeah. how how they use him. It's just they, they're doing some again. It's it's basic stuff done at a high level and then there's some innovative stuff that you see like with wink martindale like we talked about in the last podcast where you're like right man that's a really good blitz but again other teams do it it's just their execution given the talent given the coaching is just is is just at a high level yeah um so the teaching thing i wanted to follow up on that from your career and like to me that's a trait that could translate really well to a head coach because it shows like a clarity of vision and an ability like i look at a guy like mike mcdonald and i don't know that he's the one teaching all this stuff maybe he's got great position coaches maybe it's both um clearly anthony weaver is very highly thought of he's also getting head coaching looks as the the d-line coach right but when you look at just how solid they are on all three levels you have to think mcdonald's a big part of teaching not just some of the bigger concepts but some of the techniques and how to execute them and, and really getting that vision so everybody understands what you're trying to accomplish as a group, not just what the individual jobs are. And to me, that would translate really well, not just to a defense that he could be coordinating as he's the head coach, but it's like, if you have an offensive player who is struggling to get something, to have someone with that clear of a global understanding of football, like to me, that would translate well as a head coach. Is that, is that me putting together dots that don't connect? Or is that something that you've seen true in your career? Well, I just think about the best teachers that I had as position coaches, and I think about Kyle and how good of a teacher he was. And so obviously I'm biased towards that. I think Sean was one of the best teachers I had as a tight end coach. As a coordinator, he was a great teacher. Kyle was a great teacher, um, you know, as a coordinator, like in terms of his understanding of defense and how to kind of maximize you. And And I think that's what you're seeing from a defensive perspective. It's one of the things we've always said about Wink Martindale and why he would potentially be a good head coach is because he understands defensively or offensively what you're trying to do to him 
and mm-hmm. I am coaching you up. Obviously, it's it's clear just in the details of it of how to beat what the offense is presenting. And I think that's where you say those skill sets, those visions are are in my experience what good coaches do. You know what I mean? And I think like there's a reason. You know, like Kyle Shanahan, for example, his tree is so prolific, or Mike Shanahan and that tree is so prolific, is because he's got a bunch of guys who, who are good teachers, good communicators, and they understand the opposition. They understand football at a high level, right? They understand offensively how to beat defenses because these are the defensive rules. And I think you're seeing a little bit of that with Mike McDonald, where you're seeing these are the defensive principles we're trying to teach and this is how we're going to teach them to beat offensive football right now and I think that's like you know there's a reason that like when you know in a heavy play action offense you're bringing these edge pressures like you're you're kind of challenging the the backs and the tight ends in ways that make it very hard to execute these protections which lead to explosive plays and I like that you know we talked about in the San Francisco game that we watched how we're going to take away Christian McCaffrey we're going to make sure that he's not a factor in this game and that's just good process. And I think like it goes, it, it kind of goes hand in hand. I'm a good teacher. I understand football. I understand the direction the game is going. I understand what you're trying to do to us. And then I can communicate it to the guys because obviously the execution, you know, they do have good players, obviously, but the execution's at a very high level. Right. So that leads to the last thing before we talk about Kyle's team itself, uh, 49ers Packers, uh, and then obviously we'll hit the other two games as well, but wrap up the Saturday games here in a second. But like, it is worth pointing out for McDonald, unlike the resume side of it, he's the only guy that seems to be able to shut down the Shanahan tree. Yeah. Like as he, you know, he's in the coordinator coordinator position of the team that has smacked San Francisco, smacked Houston twice, smacked everybody else, Detroit, like all of them. They've crushed them. What, yeah. it, what is it that he's doing to this style of offense that is killing everyone else? That is is not working against Baltimore. So I think it's it's multifactorial, obviously, but the one of the things that sticks out to me from a team building standpoint, because that's what we're going to be talking about here with the GM and the head coach, is when you look at Baltimore, they are a very big, very physical football team. And I don't think that's an accident. Like one of the things with outside zone, for example, and like, so think about it, like in, in Kyle's system, in Mike's system, whoever, you know, it's outside zone sets up play action pass. And outside zone, the whole principle is we're going to try and get you to run horizontally to create horizontal lanes for the running back to hit. And then when we hit the play action pass, you have to move horizontally with us, vacating zones in the defense so we can hit the throw. And I think one of the things that I've seen and one of the things that I thought that Ron was going to try and do here with the defensive line personnel that they had is just get really big up front and be really physical and set nice physical edges. So then if I set physical edges, I can't stretch the defense. There's nowhere for the ball to go because I've got Jadavian Clowney smashing through the tight end's face and the back has to cut it up before he super wants to. Super fun when you're the tight end, huh? Yeah, it's super fun. I have I have a like I remember one time like this is Jadavian Clowney's rookie year. We had outside zone. Got to get your hat across his hat. And I remember hitting him like pretty much screw to screw and this is probably not the healthiest thing in the world, but feeling like an, like an electric jolt from the top of my head down to my feet. And I just was like, that's not great. You know, and like that, that, that's how, that's how he's setting edges, you know, to, to kind of speak to that, right? A violent and, edge, as they say. And you need to have guys who can block those edges, but you also need to have guys who set them. And when you look at how they're built, they're big inside, they're big on the edges. I, from a team building standpoint, obviously there's more technical things going on here in terms of how they coach stuff up, the fronts they play, the the allocate. Like I, we talked about this last show, like they get into different spacings. And one of the things about Kyle that's so brilliant is he's like 
if you're going to get in this spacing 60% of, 60% of the time, we're going to crush it. We're going to beat it because we know how to create angles to this. And they do a little bit of variety there. So you're not always in the same front spacing, which I think is great. But I, I just think there's something too. We are a big physical football team. You look at their offensive line, they're all like 330 plus. They're just massive physical athletic guys that have developed in that system. And I, again, I don't think it's an accident. Like they, they're always like, they, they drafted Ben Cleveland. He's 6'6", six, six, he's 360. They drafted Daniel Falele. He's 6'9", 415. Like mm -hmm. they get these guys that are just big, huge physical dudes and they create a culture of physicality for those guys. And I, I think that's part of it. It's, some, it's sometimes like, you know, we're drawing up X's and O's on the, on the board and when I'm playing Baltimore, I'm like, man, I don't know if our tight end can make this block. Man, I don't know if our guard can make this block because this three technique is going to blow him up because he's 340 and our guard's 290. I, again, it's it's more complicated than that because there's schematic stuff with, which we get into and the confidence with, which with they play. But there's something to that. There's something to having a 6'4", 225-pound nickel player that can play the post, that can play a box and cover your running back. Like There's something to that mentality. And so... I think like when you're building a team, like they have a very clear identity. They have a very clear vision of who they want to be and how they want to play. And, and again, I think that's part of the reason why when you play Miami, like Miami's not a big group up front, you're going to get after yeah. them. So I think that's part of it. Yeah, no, definitely. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, tell you what, instead of going to the other Saturday game, 49ers-Packers, let's hit uh, Chiefs-Bills real quick and just do the AFC, and that way we can talk a little bit about the matchup uh, with Kansas City and Baltimore coming up on Sunday. But this game, tremendous, tremendous yeah. football game, um, as is always, like this game followed the script that all the others have. It's a tremendous football game that ends with Kansas City winning. And it's, I cannot believe it's another wide right for Buffalo. I just Crazy. feel so awful. For them and their fans, like literally let them lose in any other heartbreaking f fashion. Um, you know, let the kick go wide left. Just literally <laughs> don't let the kick go wide right. Um, but also, you know, obviously some decisions by Josh Allen late. Um, I think one where he goes for the end zone that you're like, well, he's wide open. He just misses the guy. And some yeah. others where you're like, ah, let's just check it down, get a little bit shorter of a kick. Um, but generally speaking, I mean, I, I think what's so impressive about Kansas City is they find a run game in yeah. the playoffs. And while, yes, they are pass happy and and outside of Washington, they were the pass happiest team in the league. Mahomes had more attempts than anybody but Hal. Um, and I think it wound up being one attempt different by the end of the year. When it comes time to it and defenses are like, nope, we're not giving up this, right. not to Patrick Mahomes, they always seem to be able to find a way. And Isaiah Pacheco uh, was the way in this one. Yeah, he was the way. Again, a nice physical game by him, just such a physical running style. And the both teams, both teams found ways to run the football, that which are traditionally like passing teams. You're rushing, you're running John Allen, Josh Allen a little bit more, right? Um, Cook is doing a great job carrying the football and creating plays for you. They've got depth at the running back spot, the offensive line for them, which was kind of much maligned, the, the, Bron uh, the Bills at the beginning of the season. 
they kind of find their form and like those big athletic dudes up front are, are making plays for you, which is great to see. But I do think it just shows you like as much as you want to throw the football, you got to be able to run the ball. And I, and this is something that maybe comes back to my biases of when I was watching the game. But when I look at, um, you know, Indianapolis, when I look at New England, there's a reason that New England came out victorious in a lot of those matchups, even though I think Peyton Manning was kind of a more consistently a better quarterback is because when they had to change gears, when they had to change their identity, they could run the football at a high level. I'm talking about New England. And I think it's cool to see Kansas City adopt that and not have to lean on Patrick Mahomes. And I thought it was great to see from the Bills as well. And then kind of package that all in, this, this these two, I'm going to say dynamic rushing attacks because they did some really impressive stuff and the running backs were great with quarterbacks that just – I mean, every third down, they're elevating the offense. Every third down, they got to make a play. In the red zone, they're making plays. Like some of those throws, some of the ability. And it just, again, it goes back to the Lamar Jackson thing. But when you have that guy, and and we were really fortunate and blessed to watch this game because I think those are t- two top five guys, probably one and maybe three or four, depending on how you want to allocate your quarterbacks, you know, and Josh Allen. But when he's playing good football he's probably one of the he's probably two you know like when he's playing high level football and that's what he looked like and um it just shows you like when you have a guy who can just absolutely deal you don't have to make a perfect play call you know and i think that that's something that uh, when we're talking about the commanders like the importance of that second pick overall just it it, when i'm watching the game i can't stop thinking about it i'm like you need to you need you need a coordinator that understands the importance of running the football but you got to have a guy back there who can make and extend plays and the, the arm talent of Josh Allen, the kind of the moxie, the 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 off schedule ability of Patrick Mahomes was just incredible. And again, it wasn't them all the time, but when you call on them, you know that they're going to make a play for you. And it was great to see other af- aspects of both offenses step up. And the other thing I wanted to bring up too is credit to Buffalo in terms of team building. I'm, I'm you know when I watch these games, I'm only thinking team building because like I'm draft you know almost twenty four seven at this point, but or off season you know free agency too. But, yeah. you know, they draft Dalton Kincaid in the first rounds. Everyone like, well, how are you going to use the tight end? And they have this vision for how they're going to use kind of this, you know, big zebra, big 11 personnel and get him involved and have him making plays. And I just think that's it just shows you how having the coach, the coordinator, the GM all on the same page leads to very productive decisions from a personnel standpoint. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's kind of the Bills are at this crossroads where they're kind of where New England was after their first group of championships. Unfortunately for Buffalo, they haven't won any. Like New England was like, oh, crap, we got to reinvent what we're doing offensively. And they went to this two tight end thing. Um, It obviously was uh, uh, upended in the worst possible way, as in one of them turned out to be a murderer. Uh, But, you know, from a football planning standpoint, it was a good idea. Um, Aaron Hernandez and, and Gronk. And they reinvented their offense, and Brady was exceptional. They wound up doing it again, and you know, see with Randy Moss, and like that was in a different order. But you get the point. Like yeah. they they found different ways throughout the back half of Brady's career to make sure that he had what he needed um, in a bunch of different styles to ultimately be successful against the NFL defense of the day. And for Allen now, like they've got to figure out, okay, how do we keep this thing going? Like the Stefan Diggs era is probably over. Um, so what do we do now to make sure that he's got what he needs? And the Kincaid Knox duo seems like it's going to be at the center of that. Um, and then Kansas City is going to kind of enter the same thing here as Kelsey is ending uh, or nearing the end of his career. Still obviously got it. Uh, two touchdowns oh gosh, yeah. um, on Sunday, but like as Rashi Rice emerges, like what does that look like in, in kind of the next phase? Um, do they 
do they lean heavier into a running attack, knowing that True. running backs are easily findable in the draft um, and just kind of make sure the O-line set. Like, I think it's been pretty fascinating to watch the team building of these two teams as well with that quarterback in place and highly paid. Cause that's the other thing too, is like Mahomes' numbers already been kind of big. That's why they had to trade Tyreek a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, but Josh Allen's number balloons this year. Like he's finally off of the rookie stuff. He's off mm. of the early years of the contract. Like, next year is the first big Josh Allen year and how the bills build it up now. And, and especially since they haven't won anything with him, um, not his fault, but um, is, is going to be pretty fascinating. And we talk about team building. I don't know that it gets more fascinating than the next two years in Buffalo. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's exactly right. And it's, it's just, it was such a good game. Like talk about the games of the weekend. Like those were such fun games to watch, but um, yeah, man, I feel bad for Josh Allen because I feel like he did everything he could. And then people point to that, third and nine kind of in their own zone right before the field goal is like a play that he could have done different. But I'm like, what about all like these other 50 plays where he's, or not 50, but 30, 25 plays where he's just doing absolute magic. He's running over defensive tackles. He's, you know, like I just felt like I was watching a kid in high school. The 65 yard bomb in the air that Diggs drops. And you're just like, this is incredible. Like this is incredible. So um, it's too bad that it didn't work out for him. Again, like I'm happy for Patrick Mahomes. I'm happy for Kansas City. I'm happy for good football. But I mean, I just thought that was such a heroic performance until you didn't get those plays where you got to have them at the end of the game, which I'm sure Buffalo fans are pissed about today. So 